Happy Easter, South Park Church. Thanks for spending some time with us today as we talk about the good life. One way that my family likes to pursue the good life is outdoors in nature, hiking and camping. And today I'd like to invite you to join me in a test of a new toy that I got. A lot of times we're outside and it's hot and we see this great looking water, you know, a stream like this and the water looks good, probably tastes good. But if I drank a lot of that water, I'd probably be spending the rest of the day behind the bushes, if you know what I mean. So got this new water bottle that has this filter it's supposed to filter out any kind of junk that's in the water so that you can have just a great good gulp of water cold water when you're hot out in the sun or hiking and so let's give this a chance and see if it actually works give it a try Looks good, tastes good. I'll let you know on Sunday if it works out or not. Here's to the good life. <laughs> Thankfully, it worked. <laughs> no intestinal problems whatsoever. So modern technology is amazing. And as I got that water that looked good and tasted good, but was not good without a filter, uh, it got me to begin to think about, uh, are there other things in our lives that look good and taste good, but are not good? Are there things in our life that looks good, tastes good, but is not good? I think there are many of those things. And I think we could make a long list of those, uh, beginning with uh, junk food, right? It looks good, tastes good, but it's not good. A greasy burger, a big old cake, a nice pie, a big old box of donuts. You know, that's one thing I want to ask God when I get to see him face to face in the full kingdom of heaven. Why have all these great things that look good and taste good, but that aren't good for you if we're not supposed to indulge of those things? I think in our lives that... Uh, Debt can be in this category. We see things in the, in the mall. We see things online when we're shopping. We see things that we want and we can't afford, but debt and credit make it possible for us to gain them. And so we purchase them and we go into debt and our credit card bills rise and rise and rise. And so it looks good, tastes good, feels good, but it's not good for us because before we know it, we've become enslaved to debt. And all we can barely manage to do is make those minimum payments and we feel like we will never, ever get out from underneath the avalanche. So I think there are indeed things just like that water that in our lives look good, they taste good, but they're actually doing harm to us. In your life right now, what could some of those things be? I recently read a quote uh, from Tom Brady who won, uh, he's won six Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. And I read a very interesting quote from him after he'd won his third Super Bowl. He was being interviewed by CBS on 60 Minutes. Uh, and this is what uh, Tom Brady had to say. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27, and what else is there for me? 
That kind of blew me away, right? Tom Brady is living the good life according to pretty much everyone's sense of what a good life is. He's good looking. He's got six Super Bowls. He has a supermodel for a wife. They have super money together. They have hundreds of millions of dollars. They have super homes probably all over the world. They have the good life, the great life that many of us aspire to. And he says, there's got to be something more. What do you mean there's got to be something more? Have you looked in the mirror? Have you looked at your wife? Have you looked at your bank account? Have you looked on the, on the, uh, the, fingers that, uh, the rings that are on your finger? What do you mean there's got to be more to life than what you've encountered? Our church leadership has been studying our community and we've been looking at some demographics and within the three mile radius of where our church is because we want to understand the people who live here because we want to help them connect to God. And through some of the government census and, and data that they've cranked out, that they, they put out something that shocked me also. Said that the overall general sense of well-being in the South Park community, which is an amazingly awesome community where many people aspire to live to and want to come and, and come to visit all the time, that the general sense of well-being in the South Park community is low. It's low. If any place is going to have a good sense of well-being, surely it would be our community here in South Park where so many people want to come. And so if people in our community have a general sense of well-being that is low, if a Super Bowl winning, supermodel married, super rich guy like Tom Brady says, there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing, then my question to you is, are we really living the good life? Are, are we encountering the good life? And, and if not, what does it look like? What, what can that be? And can we truly attain that? So I'm glad you're here today for this discussion because I think it's worth exploring. And I think that there's some really good news that we can celebrate today. And I, I want to dive into the Bible. We're going to be looking at two Gospels today. A Gospel simply means the good news of Jesus, His life, His death, and His resurrection. And written by eyewitnesses. And so uh, we're going to pick up the story in Mark's gospel. Uh, Jesus has been killed on a Friday. Uh, Friday's gone by. Saturday's gone by. The Sunday has come. The disciples are ruined. They're wrecked. They think this man they put all their faith into uh, didn't live up to what he promised. Instead of leading them into this next great kingdom of God, he's dead. And so they've lost all, all hope. And so some of the women, the followers of Jesus, were going to go to his grave and they're going to anoint his body, which was a custom for the Jews in the first century. And so we pick up that story in Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath, the last day of the week, was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Just imagine a a huge quarter that weighs like five tons that can roll back and forth on a track. That's what the stone looked like, and it was covering the, the tomb of Jesus. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, possibly an angel, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. 
That, of course, is why we're here today is to celebrate Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Christ as he has come back to life. He's died and, and he's been in the tomb and now he's come back to life. And that's why we're here and why we celebrate. And, and sometimes I think we forget, well, you know, why exactly did Jesus go through all that trouble? Why did he come from heaven to become a human while still remaining God and, and die on a cross and come back to life? What, what's it all about? We're going to reverse the story a little bit, and we're going to jump over to John's gospel. We're going to go back to when Jesus was alive the first time before he was killed and come back to life. And he's been teaching, and we saw this verse in, in the video prelude that, that we walked into. But this is why Jesus did what he did. He says, I have come that they, humans, may have life and have it to the full. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came from heaven. He died on the cross. He came back to life so that you and I can live life to the full. So what? So what does that mean? What does that look like? What can I take away? What's the point? What's the big idea? You know, so what? We, we've heard this. We've probably heard this a million times. What does this mean for us in our life? This is what I think it's all about. Jesus made a sacrifice so that we can live the good life. Jesus, in fact, made the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I can live the good life. So the, the, the biggest question now is then, well, what is the good life? If Tom Brady's not living and if the people in South Park don't think they're living it, what is the good life? And I think if you ask the average person here in America, we'd, we'd have different answers, but we'd all probably come back to some of the same ones. A good life is to be successful. It's to make a difference in the world. Uh, to live a good life is to, is to have stuff, to have nice things, to have a home, to have a shelter, to have clothes and cars and, and you know, maybe a second home, right? We, we want to have nice stuff. To, to live the good life means that we uh, want to be healthy, and we want to have knowledge and wisdom and, and education. That's what the good life is about, to, to live the good life. We want to be comfortable and we want to be entertained and, and we want to have pleasure in our life. We want to have adventure and go off and do all kinds of fun things and to travel is the good life. Others would say that the good life is about a relationship with other people. We, we don't want to go through life alone, that, that life is certainly about relationships and I think we'd all agree that to some degree all those things make up the good life. Uh, and so I think, you know, now if you look at all of that, best case scenario, we have some or all or a, a portion of, of some of these things. Best case scenario in our lives is that we do have a joyful life. We have good jobs. We're making a difference. We have relationships, people who love us. We, we're comfortable. We have food. We have clothing. We have shelter. We have cars. We have jewelry. We have sports. We have entertainment that... The best case scenario is we're enjoying life, but I'm guessing best case scenario, we have those things, we're enjoying life, but we still feel there's something missing in our life. And the more success we gain, the more stuff we gain, the more relationships we gain, it's still not enough. There's still something missing in our life. Worst case scenario, we have all that stuff or a combination of all that stuff and we're miserable. We are not happy with our job. We're not happy with our success. We're not happy with our families. We're not comfortable. We, we have it all, but, but at the end of the day, we're miserable. And I'm guessing when Tom Brady said what he said, he was somewhere in the middle of those extremes. He wasn't miserable, but he was still thinking that there was something missing in his life. 
And I think that's true of all of us. And I'm guessing you know what that looks like. Sometimes we have everything and we're miserable. Sometimes we have everything and yet there's still something more that we need or we want or just not fulfilled. And I think what we need ultimately is Jesus. Because God has created us in God's image and we're created to be in a relationship, a loving personal relationship with Jesus and with people. Right? And so when Jesus is in our life, then, then he makes everything else better. He makes our jobs better, our relationships better. He, he makes uh, our, our, our sense of well-being better. Right? Jesus amplifies all of that. But without Jesus, there's always going to be something missing in our life because we were created to be in a relationship with God. And so that's why Jesus came. He saw that, that we are created in His image and that's good, but He also saw that we have been given the freedom to choose and sometimes we choose well and, and we make the world a better place, but sometimes we choose poorly and we do things that hurt ourselves and hurt other people and hurt our relationship with God and, and so we know what it's like to feel guilty and to have shame in our life. To, we know that we're going to die one day. We know that, that we know what we can experience hell in this life. Hell means separation from God. It means separation from each other. It means to be in broken relationships and and Jesus saw all of that, and he's like, that's not what I intended. So that's why he left heaven, and he came to earth. He became a human while still staying God. That's why he died on a cross. So he takes our junk, our guilt, and our shame, and our death, and our hell, and our wrongdoing, and he defeats it all. And when he comes back to life, he gives us access back to God. To live life to the full on this earth. To live forever in the kingdom of heaven. To, to have Jesus at the center of our life, and, and to make the difference, right? The the water that quenches the thirst that is unquenchable. And that's what's offered to us today, that we can say, God, I'm tired of living a life without you. I want to leave that behind. Please forgive me for the wrong things that I've done. Come and live in me. And if you've never done that, or you've fallen away from God, then, then that's the good news today, is that Jesus is ready to give you the good life. He's ready to give you life to the full. And, and it's all about a loving, personal relationship with Christ. And so if you don't yet know who Jesus is, I invite you to invite him in and and to receive that good life. And here at South Park Church, we believe there's three elements of the good life that we see in Scripture. And the first is relationships, that we're created to be in relationships. It doesn't matter what we do or, or all the things that we have in life. If we're going through life alone, it's just not the same. So God created us to be in relationship with God first and with each other second. Right? Even Tom Brady has caught on to this. right? I think there's a lot of wisdom in here. This is what he said later in that interview. He says, I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends. And positive relationships with great people, I think I get more out of that than anything. I just wish he'd jump in to say Jesus and God, but I think he's on, on the right track. So, so we believe the good life is about relationships. We believe that the good life is about transformation. That God meets us where we are and he helps us become something more. He has a purpose for us. He's created each of us with a, a purpose to make the world a better place. We each have gifts and talents and abilities. And so God meets us where we are and he loves us because we're created in his image. But he helps us become better. And he helps our lives become better and our jobs become better. Our relationships become better. So God transforms us. And this is a lifelong journey of transformation. And then finally, our, our third core value in our church that we believe comes from scripture of the good life is that God calls us to be generous. We're like God. We're created in His image, and God is a generous God. God created the earth. He created our life. He, he sent His Son to die for us, and He made the ultimate sacrifice. So, so the Bible says, to those who have been given much, much is expected. And, and we're from South Park. We're from America. We've been given more than most of all of the world. And so it brings us great joy 
to give God our time and to give God our money to, to make a difference in this world. So we believe that chasing the good life is all about relationships. It's all about transformation. It's all about being generous with the wonderful gifts that God has given us. Jesus came and he made a sacrifice so that you and I can live a good life. Brothers and sisters, are you living the good life? And if not, today is the perfect day to do that. I also think, though, that a, a part of our purpose, a part of the good life, is not just for us to experience it. I think God gives us the great gift and the great opportunity to help other people experience the good life. And so I would, I would say that if Jesus made a sacrifice so that we could live the good life, what, what could it be? Could God be calling us to make a sacrifice so that other people in the world could live a good life? What sacrifices are you making for God so that other people can live a good life, can live a life to the full? I really want us to think about that for the next few minutes. What sacrifices are we making so that others can live the good life? I recently returned from a, uh, a mission trip, an outreach trip down to the country of Haiti with a group from our congregation. And we uh, have gone down to Haiti to check on the progress of some clean water projects. We, uh, we, we were very generous and, and gave some money uh, to provide clean water to the country of Haiti. We partnered with the Ballantine Rotary Club here in uh, Charlotte, and we hired a group called Water Mission that's a nonprofit Christian group that has clean water projects all around the world to help bring clean water to the people of Haiti. One person dies every 37 seconds in the world from a water-related disease because most of the world doesn't have access to clean water. Most of those people who die, die of diarrhea, cholera. Just think about the terrible way to die. That really broke our hearts a couple of years ago, and so we raised all this money. Uh, and so we went down to see how the money's being spent and where it's going to be spent. And so I just want, I want to kind of guide you through some of that. But So Haiti is, uh, is an island. It's in the Caribbean. It's just right down south of Florida. It's not far from Miami at all. It's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Most of the people in Haiti live on less than $2 a day. Over one-fourth of the people in Haiti live off of less than one U.S. dollar a day. More than half the country is illiterate. More than half the country has no access to clean water. Uh, very few people are employed in Haiti. The government is very corrupt. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's a rough place. And there's millions of people who are in bad conditions. And God has connected us with a, a church and a school in northern Haiti in a city called Bayonet. There's some other churches in Charlotte, and we all get together, and we're trying to make a difference in, in one community. So I want to kind of give you a tour of what we saw in Haiti. So we've got a, a few pictures. The first picture is just kind of a picture from the air uh, of the people of Haiti. It's a beautiful country. It's, it's in the Caribbean. It's this Caribbean island. Any other island down there is going to be some tourist resort, just not the country of Haiti. There's, they're way behind that. The, the most beautiful thing about Haiti is, is the people of Haiti. We've got a, a slide of that. And these are some of the young people on our trip who went. And these are some of the children of Haiti. And, and the people there, their spirits are great. They're kind people. And they just, Jesus is there. They love God. They just love interacting with, with us. And so it's also a beautiful country. We'll show you just a picture of some of the landscape there. Uh, some beautiful palm trees, that sort of thing. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a wonderful and a special place to be. But it's high poverty. I've got a picture here of a marketplace there. This would be their version of Costco uh, or Walmart. Uh, and you can just begin to see the, the poverty there. We've got a picture of a house 
there. And this was right next to the school and, and the church where we stayed. It would not be unheard un, uh, of or uh, unusual for 10 to 15 people to live in a house this size. Right? You think we have housing problems here in America. It just opens your eyes to what that looks like. Uh, and here's a picture of the water issue. Here's a little girl who's washing her pots and pans in a dirty river. Right down from that, there are going to be some animals who are getting washed and using the bathroom. Uh, other people are washing themselves in this river. Uh, others are drinking water out of this river. Right? That's the everyday reality uh, in Haiti. And so that's why we're down there. And that's why we're bringing clean water to the people of Haiti to help save lives. And your generosity uh, is making that possible. Uh, where we stayed was a, a church, and it started in the community of Bayonne, Haiti. It's established a school where over 2,000 students come. They walk from all over. There's some old school buses that come down from America that we've given them, and, and they pick up students. Uh, some of these kids walk miles just to go to school. There's grades 1 through 13 to give children an education to try to make it in the world. Uh, and for most of them, it's the only meal they'll receive that day. They have lunch. It's a hot lunch of rice and beans five days a week. Uh, there's uh, the school there. There's clean water there. That's a recent thing. It pro- they provide clean water to their whole community there. There's a medical clinic associated with the church and the school that gives uh, very low-cost medical care to the community. And then there's the church that, that people come from far and near to, to worship Jesus every week. And so the church of God is making a difference in this community with education, with food, with med- medicine, with spiritual. It's doing what the government won't do. Uh, and so we're, we're proud to sponsor that church and that school. And, and here's a picture uh, of uh, my son Luke who went with me and our sponsored student. Right? We sponsor a student there. We send a monthly fee in every, every month. And this is Ezekiel. Uh, we sponsored him since he was seven years old. We sponsored him for 10 years. It was really great to see him and for Luke to meet him. Uh, and just to put this in perspective, my son Luke is 11 and Ezekiel is 17. Um, that's called arrested development. That's what happens when you don't have food and when you don't have clean water for most of your life. So this is a 17-year-old boy next to my 11-year-old son, and you see the difference of being raised in America and being raised in Haiti, even now that he has you know, these opportunities in this school to be able to, to have all that he does. Uh, and here's a picture of Luke on top of the school. It's, it's a two-story building, uh, and there's a bunch of rebar there. And what rebar means in Haiti, it's, it's a symbol of hope. Uh, and so it means that, that there's hope in the community. There's hope that God's going to continue to do something well. Okay. So I want to fast forward now. Uh, we went to a city called Capete uh, that's not far from here, and it's a different story. There's, 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 there's none of this good stuff going on. Okay. So we've got a picture here of Capete. Uh, it's up in the mountains, uh, and to get to the water source, we've got a picture of the well there. Uh, a normal well looks like this. Uh, this is uh, water that looks good, it tastes good, but it's not good. This is what the wells look like. But in Capete, see the next slide, it's a broken well, right? And so they can't get clean water. Uh, and so what they have to do is they hike down a mountain about 45 minutes to get to this broken well that doesn't work, that has bad water, and they have found the, a little source underneath it. And so they take a bowl, you can see this next picture, and they have to fill up the bowl, and they carry down five-gallon buckets, they put the dirty water in there, and they carry it back up 45 minutes up a rocky hill. Uh, that's your water for the whole day, right? That's, that's their whole process. 
Uh, I want to show you a picture of us and some of the kids that were there. Uh, the very kind people there. Most of the kids running around had measles. Um, some of them didn't have on clothes. Uh, we've got a picture of the village there that's next. Um, and then you can see that the next picture, they dry their clothes out on cactuses. Uh, and then we have a picture of their outdoor school. There are almost 400 children in this little town. Uh, there's a small church that houses the school, and then they have this outdoor school building that has two outdoor classrooms. Uh, and we have, the next slide is a picture of, of the classrooms. Right? So if you're not happy with your school, it could be worse. Um, and then in, in Capete, uh, this next slide is, again, a building with rebar. But, but this particular slide, uh, there, this means there's no hope. The government was here 10 years ago, and this is a hospital they started to build. Uh, and they got it about halfway completed. They ran out of money, and they haven't been back, and they're not coming back again. Uh, and so uh, where Luke was and I were, the one rebar represents hope. In Capete, it represents no hope. And so this is where we want to use some of our money to bring in clean water to, to the people of Capete. So uh, we're, we're starting the paperwork on that. I ask you that you would join me in prayer that our generosity will change this community just like it's changed the other community. Now, the pastor from Bayonne was with us, and, and the people know what he's been able to do with God's power in his community to transform it. They were so glad to see him, uh, and it, it brought them so much hope. You know, if you're watching these slides and if you're like me when we went on the trip, it can feel just overwhelming. That You know, how can we change this town? How can we change a whole country that has millions of people who are in such desperate need? And, and the answer to that is simple, is, is, we, is we can make a change one person at a time. The generosity that our church has, we're going to change that Capete community because we're going to bring them clean water. Uh, but there's still a lot of students who, who need sponsorship. I want to shift back to Bayonne, where the school is and where the church is. And, and what I'd like to ask you to do today is, is to think about, Jesus made a sacrifice so that I could live a good life. I would like to ask you to consider to make a sacrifice so that one of these Haitian children could, could live a good life, that, that you would, would be willing to sacrifice 40 U.S. dollars a month so that those children in Bayonne, Haiti, who are in that school, can, can be assured that they'll be able to continue to go to school. So what I'm asking you to do is to consider $40 a month, not to our church, not to our church, but directly to, to these students. Um, that would be a sacrifice of four movie tickets a month. We're in a movie theater. That would be the sacrifice uh, of a tank of gas a month. That would be a manicure, depending on where you get your nails done. That would be a, a half-hour massage. It would be a one video game from a you know, PlayStation or a, an Xbox Right? It'd be 38 uh, items on a value meal uh, menu at McDonald's or Burger King, and your body would scream, thank you. You're not only saving someone in Haiti, you're saving yourself. Uh, uh, that I'm not asking you to, to, to give up your life, but if we each sacrifice 40 U.S. dollars a month, you, you could sponsor a child, and you could guarantee they'd hear about Jesus they would have an education, they would have a meal, they would have clean water, and they'd have access to a doctor for $40 a month. You, you can do that. Amen. And so I want to show you a slide here that has our website um, that you can do this. Take a picture of that. Just go to our website, southparkchurch.com. Go to Outreach. Uh, and uh, all this money goes directly to Haiti. It doesn't come to us. We don't benefit from this. This all goes to sponsor a child in Haiti 
Um, and then the next slide will kind of show you what it looks like. You, you'll have all these students you can flip through, uh, and you can decide which one God might be feeling you to, to support. Um, now, I realize you didn't come to church this day to, you know, to learn about Haiti or to try to give your money to Haiti or to hear a sob story, and, and I realize that. And, and I know that Haiti might not be your thing. I know that some of you are sacrificing in other ways. And if Haiti's not your thing, that's okay. But, but to make a sacrifice so that someone can have a good life. There's a lot of need in America. And I know that many of you are already making sacrifices so that others could have sacrifices uh, and to live a good life. But, but you know what? In America, even the poorest of the poor, we've, we're like kings and queens to the rest of the world. And Haiti is in our backyard. Haiti, they're our neighbors. Um, and so, you know, Jesus made a sacrifice so that we could live the good life. I think that for us to live a good life, it means that we make a sacrifice so that others could live a good life. Um, and one thing that really kind of stuck with me and kind of haunted me uh, was that after we're playing some soccer with some of the kids, one of these kids that's Luke's age came up to me and Luke, and he didn't speak a lot of English. He spoke Creole, and he said, My father's muerte. And he kind of did this motion. His dad's, his father's dead. He's like, Will you be my papa, and will Luke be my brother? And I don't even know what I said to the kid. I know that he has family in Haiti. And I know that there's no way that I could adopt him because he has family in Haiti. And you know, We try to convey, hey, we love you. We care about you. You know, I wish I could be your dad, but I can't be your dad. You know, that just, that continues to haunt me. And I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. So I'd ask that you pray about that. But the one thing I can do is I can tell his story. And I can tell the people of Haiti's story. And I can say that they need a good life too. They just happen to be born in a different country than you and I happen to be born in. And that you and I can make a difference with $40 a month. It doesn't come to our church. It goes directly to Haiti, and it helps these children, right? Jesus made a sacrifice so that we could live a good life, right? I'm asking you to make a sacrifice so that someone else can, can live a good life. And, and the positive side of this is, is the relationships that we build. Right? It's not just sending them money, but they're going to send you letters, and you're going to send them letters, and, and you establish this relationship with these children. And One of my favorite pictures here is a picture of Mavis. She's one of our teenagers, and, and she's just one of the children of Haiti. And, and all, we had three teenagers, and, and then my son Luke go on this trip, and all four of the kids fell in love with the people of Haiti. They want to go back, and they want to go back, and, and they've established this relationship. And you see the joy that, that's brought to both of these, to Mavis and to that little girl. And then just the last picture I want to show you is just holding hands, right? Uh, American hands, Haitian hands. Um, that could be your hand. You could be holding a child's hand in Haiti and giving them a good life simply by saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice, not your life, but $40 a month to say, you know what, Jesus gave it all for me. I, I can give $40 a month. I can hold a, a child's hand in Haiti right across the waters and change their life for the better. Tom Brady, super bold champ, married to a supermodel, super money, super house, super good looking. He said, there's got to be something more to my life. There's got to be something more. There's got to be a, a good life that I'm not experiencing. Jesus made a sacrifice so that you and I can live the good life. I really believe that God's calling us, brothers and sisters, to make a sacrifice so that someone else can live a good life. And that that's the secret of life. That's the secret of Easter. That's why we're here. Amen. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening to me. Happy Easter to you.
Here's to the good life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.